All right, y'all, we are here, man. I am T-Rail, man. We are here with my boy, Adam22, man. The entrepreneur, the father, the porn star, the mega YouTube star, the podcaster himself, man. I am honored to do this. I am honored. You know what? I thought it was full circle coming in doing Freeway Rick, but... To sit here and interview you after my homeboy, shout out my boy Meta, shout out um, uh, Joe Moses. Yeah, shout out Joe Moses, Blake. I think it was another guy, uh, Dom. We walked down the street to you, and uh, they they actually told me who you were and what you were doing, what you was about, and I should be on your podcast. Or oh, you're talking about that. I, I said Joe Moses because I thought you were listening off people who've been on this podcast. That Whoops. too, but it don't matter. Shout out Joe Moses. He the homie. Mm. But yeah. So, shout out Moses. He was in the Bible. <laughs> him too. Split I mean, the but, you don't, but you don't believe in God. So don't I believe the there. Bible is a book. I just don't think it really happens. It's like Lord of the Rings. You don't think it really happened? No. Not most of it. Some of that shit. You think the sea got split? No. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> shout out to homies, but let me know who you were. And I gave, them your, I, uh, gave you my number, mm. and you ghosted me, and now I'm here. What the hell? Let me just speak on that. Yes, sir. Uh, let's speak on that. So... Especially at that time period in my life, like now, I have people coming up to me saying they want interviews, whatever. It's kind of like more limited because I'm not just like out in public all the time. But especially at that time period when I was on Melrose, it was just every day people asking me for interviews over and over and over. And it's weird because if I had got your story at that time and you had been like, listen, I used to be a backup dancer for this famous artist. <laughs> I came into the picture. I protected him. People wanted to split his wig. I split the Red Sea. I, I made sure it didn't happen, et cetera. Now I have this clothing store. Well, actually, when you when you hollered at me, you were still it was still Last Kings, right? It was still Last Kings. Okay. And your ass walked in Last Kings. talking about you walking the block, trying to meet everybody on the block. And I'm like, who is this bald head white guy mm. coming in the store with two other three white guys? And I'm like, whatever. And they was like, that's Adam. And I'm like, who the fuck is that? Mm. And we went down to your store. See, that's always my problem, though, is I meet people. They have amazing stories. But sometimes it's just like information overload where I don't really get a chance to really examine them and figure it out. That's honestly one thing that's great about having you, AD, Duno, et cetera, around is that you guys get in my ear. You say, hey, this person only has so many followers, but they got a crazy-ass story. You should do it. And, I mean, yeah. So that, Luckily, yeah. luckily, around that time, I didn't give a shit. Yeah. So I didn't give a shit about you really ghosting me. My little mm-hmm. brother said you ghosted him, too. Who's your little brother? Man, Big Deal Meeks, man. Shout out Big Deal Meeks. He was like, man, he ain't answered my DM either. I'm going to show you his Instagram, too. I'm like, what? He was like, I was hitting him. He didn't think just ignored me. Man, fuck that nigga Adam, I mean, just, just to put it in perspective, like, and I, I hate explaining this because it's like I figure most people know this, but it's like if I were to go and look through my DMs for the day, I would probably have like a couple hundred message requests, and I don't even look at it for like three, four days at a time. So then I do go look at it, and I'm, like, you know, scrolling through 600 messages, and, like, they're kind of almost all, like, either, like, yo, check out my SoundCloud, or, like, here's my video, or, you know, I'm a big fan, et cetera. And, like, I fuck with it, but, like, it's really hard to stand out when you're just showing up in the Instagram inbox. And I don't even see a lot of it. The other day I was looking for a number in my phone, so I scrolled all the way out to October, and I'm fucking going through my text from October, and there are so many p- 
people I left on red who were hitting me up about stuff that was really important to them. And sometimes I feel like, holy shit, like I'm a huge asshole for not giving all these different people the time of day that they need. But then at the same time, the other perspective I have on it is I got to respect my own mental health and not drive myself crazy trying to get back to every single last person even though I, I do try to do that, but at the same time, I, I, I just I, I realize at a certain point I can't be everything to everybody. Yeah, I mean, back then, I'm glad I didn't do that back then because I was researching you a bit back then, and I was at a, in a different space in my life doing a whole bunch of shit, and then you were at a different space in your life. I think you was just kind of like starting this up and getting ready and gearing this shit up, and mm. I was doing a lot of, um, you know, looking at your uh, interviews and shit like that, and I'm like, you know what? Adam was a fucking weirdo four or five <laughs> years ago. I'm sitting there like he is so trying to like be in tune with this culture shit, and he's like doesn't have it all Whoops. right now. Turn, turn the he doesn't off. have it all right now, and it's just like, damn, my boy was a fucking weirdo, and I would been able to. Talk, to I, knew, I would. You were just like so hunched. You were just like hunchback, and you was just like fucking goofy, and you had mm. a fucking dad hat on, and mm. it was just like. Adam is a fucking goofball right now. I haven't like watched old interviews in so long, but when I do, I'm always amazed by how how eager I seemed. You I'm were like, super. I'm leaning eager. forward. I'm like this. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking did. hella fast. I'm trying to stuff like a million sentences into each question. I'm like, bro, I'm so glad that I've like fallen back a little bit, and I'm like more. Bro, you got way more swag right now. Mm. You were fucking crossing your leg, doing some fucking... You was doing this shit. I still like, cross my leg. <laughs> you was doing this shit in the interview. I'm like, oh, hell no. I couldn't have spoke to that Adam. I feel cool. There's no fucking way I could have spoke to that Adam, man. You know? Well, I will get right into this interview like everybody else and ask you about your early days in your life, but... I really don't give a shit about your early <laughs> days in, your life in New Hampshire. Hash Brown Town. Ah. No, I really don't give a fuck about Great place. your uh, middle class life growing up so fucking beautiful. Mm. I, I really don't give a shit. I really want to get right into it and, you know, and ask you about um, the up and coming artists and why you don't do that shit no more you, as far as, you know, how that shit blew you up and shit like that. I mean, I feel like I still interview. Up and coming artists all the time. It does feel like, you know, at a certain point with my platform getting bigger and bigger, that it's just sometimes there's just a lot of underground rappers who, like, you know, they just don't, like, they'll be asking for an interview and I'm looking at it and it's, it either looks fake to me because it's like, oh, it's obvious to me that the label is just pumping money into this or there's somebody buying plays or there's somebody who, you know, you know a lot of times it's like it fucks it up when you meet the manager. And you realize how thirsty they are and you realize like, oh, like this isn't like some young artist who's just got a lot to say and they're they're out here with energy and creativity, like the way that like when I first met Lil Peep, X, all these people, it just felt like they really had something to say. Like they were really an artist, and to the extent that there was like a manager around them or whatever, that that person was just facilitating what this person already wanted to do. Nowadays, I just feel like I meet people, especially it, it was worse during the SoundCloud rap bonanza. Is it because of like the uh, music change and the like 
everything changed around the SoundCloud thing and how people putting out their music and shit like it. Yeah, I when mean, people like, realized they could make millions and millions of dollars by just signing some kid with green hair, that's when like the, the whole thing got really flooded. And, you know, I like interviewing like up and coming rappers. I also realized at a certain point that like that's probably one of the main things that No Jumper needs is just people that could do those kind of interviews because a lot of times it just doesn't feel like. Like I, I feel like my fans want to see me interview people who are a little bit more established, not somebody who's like brand new, one song with twenty thousand plays. I'm sorry, I just don't have the time. It doesn't seem like a good use of my time. Yeah, and and, and you can't really. I mean, you can, but I don't know if they hit you up like that or whatever the case may be. But this shit is so saturated as far as like the podcast world uh-huh. and like the interview world. Like it's just so saturated to where you probably can't even get those fucking like top tier artists because they'll fucking go mm-hmm. over here to Nori and they'll fucking go over here to a million dollars worth of game and shit like That's that. That's where you have to make your choices. Like, <laughs> do you want to just do the interviews with whoever falls into your lap or do you want to go out there and fight to get like the interview? Do you want to fly across the country? Go, go. like Because I see Act doing it. Act flew over here just to do the Roddy Rich interview. Yeah. I respect that because Roddy Rich is like basically one of the most talked about guys right now. There's a whole lot of controversy around him. That's a super important interview for him to get. To be honest, like, am I flying to New York to interview one person? I mean, yeah. Maybe. I, 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 maybe Should. if it's like super important, or maybe if I only cared about being an interviewer at this moment, and if I didn't care about just sort of like enjoying life and being part of this business and running this business and stuff. I don't know. Like, I, I respect people who go hard as fuck to get that one interview. But it also like I don't I can't imagine an interview important enough for me to fucking fly across the country and totally disrupt everything else I got going on at this point. Well, I'm fucking new at this. I mean, I gotta fucking sit around here and interview the the lower tier artists because I mean the top tier artists they don't give a shit. But I also I, I you know it's so much more interesting to interview a Treyway Six K than to interview like a SoundCloud rapper number four thousand and ninety nine because like. When I'm interviewing a dude who I know is really from somewhere out here, who really has a story, who's been through shit, who's been in and out of jail, et cetera, like that's way more interesting to me than like a lot of those SoundCloud rappers that people like think is so great to interview them and stuff. They literally have nothing to talk about. They have not lived. Well, you know, well, around those SoundCloud rappers, when you were doing it, they were big, and uh, it was a, it's right now. I feel like it's still a lot of animosity because you are growing and they're not. And um, <laughs> and I mean, you definitely were around. I mean, you based your career off of what they were doing, and they were hot around that time. And mm. I just want to know, you know, Mike, how do you feel about people saying, like, they started you, you feel me, and you're not giving them the right uh, recognition and, you know, still fucking with them? You know, it's weird when I think about it because in the BMX days, what did I do? Like, I started this platform, and I started to have, you know, a platform that people were paying attention to that had an audience and everything. What did I do though? Then I went, I was never a great bike rider. I went and I found dudes who I thought were super talented and I made them wear my fucking t-shirts and I promoted the fuck out of them and I got them sponsored and took them on trips and filmed them, et cetera. And that made my business bigger because I found young talented dudes who maybe weren't being fully utilized at that time and helped blow them up and had them basically be, you know, kind of the face of my brand and everything. And when I think about what's going on with No Jumper, when I think about interviewing artists, when I think about all this shit, it's like, I, or even the OnlyFans thing. I, I clearly have an ability to spot talent early on and then to be able to maximize the utility of that and optimize their career in a way that ideally helps them 
as well as helps me and the brand. And so a lot of that was the, that same mentality I had from BMX, where when I saw a young little pump and I went to his show and met him and hung out with him, and I realized, like, oh, shit, this, this dude's it. Like, this dude is popular. They fucking love him. He's blowing up fast. I need to, you know, stay around it, work this etc and you know have a mutually beneficial relationship which i'm sure he would have said it was at the time and then you know at a certain point some of these people like the same thing with the bmx thing is like i'll find someone they'd be the best rider in the world i'd be filming them every day for a couple of years and then one day all of a sudden you know they they tear their fucking knee and it's like they, you, you know they're not it. around for a couple of years and it's kind of the same thing with it, the rap shit except now i don't get that close to people now i do the interview we but around cool. that time, you had a lot of organic, real mm. relationships. Yeah. And um, I, I want to bring a couple names up. I mean, the we, store was good for those organic relationships because people just be walking by and boom. Hey, how you doing? Boom. We're friends. Um, a lot of people brought up the Greg Potter thing and um, whatever. He owned a, I don't know if he was running a blog site for you. He I was love that you got up. his name wrong because he What's really his had. No <laughs> What's his name? Whatever. George. George Potter. Yeah, fuck that nigga. You know what I'm saying? Whatever the case may be. We go, we not even going to speak on you. No, Bobby. but like, j just to clarify that, like people would be like, oh, you started No Jump with somebody else. There was another thing years before No Jumper, the YouTube channel, where yeah. at one point I wanted to start like a hip hop blog. And there was like a dude who was like writing articles for the blog. I basically told him like, if you write these articles for the blog and if you help get other people to write the articles for the blog, then eventually I'll be able to start paying you. And he was on board because he was like a little blogger at the time or whatever. And he, he wrote maybe like 20 articles or some shit. And he like got a couple other people to write articles. But then he, he was a fucking depressed weirdo and he just fucking falls off the face of the earth after a couple months. And then the No Jumper, I bought the URL, all this shit. I had NoJumper.com and shit. And then he disappears. Maybe two years later, I hit him up. I said, yo, I'm starting a podcast. I want to use that No Jumper name since we're not using it for anything else. Yeah. Is that going to be weird for you because you wrote articles under that brand name? And he, he said, no, nah, I don't give a fuck. And that, and that was it. And so then this dude goes and does interviews and tells everybody that he started No Jumper. When it's like, no, you did not do anything involving why this brand is successful and there's a there's a few people uh that claim that they're involved in making this brand successful and i want you to speak on because this has never been spoken on i don't know if you spoke on it or not but i want you to speak on uh xavier wolf and mm -hmm. what he's done and what he's meant you know what i'm saying to no jumper because i felt like that was an organic relationship but what happened how'd that fallout go yeah that was definitely somebody who uh was a big factor early on he was my tiger yeah to us to an extent yeah and obviously he was what he was he wasn't exactly a tiger but uh we met him so he was bigger than you yeah when i met him because it's like you know we're like the pop and bmx brand but a pop and bmx brand is still kind of like small compared to like a pop and underground rapper even you know mm -hmm. and so he had his little movement going and everything and when we, we were into the music that him and his whole crew bones and all of them were doing at that time and we would go to their shows and stuff, and I was mind-blown because they would have downtown L.A. warehouse shows, 400 people stuffed into a room. Most of them are fucking teenagers. And I just could not believe the fact that, you know, because I always listen to rap, but I'm always listening to, like, maybe not mainstream rap. I'm listening to Gucci. I'm listening to Dipset. Like, you know, I, I just had never seen a rap show like that that really, really looked like a punk show. Mm -hmm. And I was like, 
obsessed with the energy, super into it. We went so out of our way to fuck with those guys and, you know, just hang out with them and stuff and, and have them come to the store and everything. And Xavier, he, he got into the BMX thing. He was actually really riding bikes. Like, you can see footage of him online where he was actually doing some pretty valid tricks. And, uh, you know, he'd just be hanging out with us, riding on some, on some real chill shit. And I did his first interview, and the interview did really good. And that, that was the thing that made me realize, like, oh, shit, like, interviewing rappers is kind of a thing. I didn't even really, like, chase after it, though. Like, the dude Puya and Fat Nick, they kind of came next after him. But it was always weird from the beginning because he was, like, a super angry dude who would get really pissed off about me interviewing people. That, like, it would be somebody who, like, he had the most imaginary beef with where like they said one thing to each other on twitter like years in advance and then like i would have a big interview coming up and he'd hit me up like mad like really not wanting me to fuck with people because of that and even early on i remember he called me a faggot one time he was like <laughs> he was like he was so mad that he called me a faggot and i remember just being like i remember saying like bro i know you're mad <laughs> But you got to understand. And keep in mind, I'm like fucking 15 years older than him at this point. I'm like way older than him. So it's also it's so weird. He's like tweaking on huh? me and shit. But I remember just being like, bro, I'm not even going to come at you with any anger or aggression or anything. I'm just going to tell you that I fuck with you. I understand you're mad right now. But this is what I'm doing. And maybe down the road, you're going to realize what I'm doing is important. And that like, you know. So where do your loyalty lie, man? If I'm bigger than you and, uh, and, I, and I, you gave, I gave you my first interview, I put mm. you on. You know what I'm saying? So where does your loyalty right. lie Right. So, so, so if there's somebody who fucking <laughs> killed your brother, then yeah, maybe I'm not going to fuck with them. But if it's somebody that you had like an angry tweet with one time, then you really want me to not. Because I, I was starting to see the vision. I'm starting to see like, oh, mm -hmm. I'm going to interview all these motherfuckers and I'm going to blow this shit up. And yeah. then I had him kind of like being salty about that. But that wasn't even where we really had like a, a conflict. It was like, it was just, you know how shit happens when you fucking blow up and the other person doesn't. And it's like all of a sudden us hanging out is like, I'm treating you like you're the fucking special ass rapper. And then all of a sudden, a year later, we're, we're kicking it and every kid is asking me for a photo and nobody knows who you are that like outside the fucking store bro that happened a couple of times and i could see it in his face that it just did not sit right and then like you, you know but like for me it's like I, I wasn't talking shit about it, i wasn't hating none but then like i remember i interviewed whoa vicky and yeah this fool was it whoa vicky that you tweaked out about or was it the selena and Eliza so you one. think pretty much it was like a jealousy thing when you as you were blowing up and you were getting a little bit more recognition in him he just started acting funny well, and yeah, just started dissing himself well i'm start i'm blowing the fuck up and he's falling the fuck off at the same time and i'm not saying that to be a dick or anything i'm just saying like you know his shit don't do no numbers he don't got no shows no more so it, it just became super like kind of weird like when we would be around each other and then he was he would not come around and then I did, I think it was the Selena and Eliza thing, and he got mad as fucking. He went on Twitter and talked all this shit. And I was pissed off when I saw that because it's like, you're hating on me for doing an interview with a fucking thought? Like, you're going to act like that's a big deal? I don't even want to go into specifics. I had people tell me shit about that dude that I willingly turned my eye to. I said, I don't want to hear it. I'm not going to report on that. I'm not going to say nothing about it. You know, like... You, you, I was, I was prepared to never ever say a bad word about the dude for the rest of my life, and then he, he, because of something that is essentially nothing, goes and talks all that shit. So to me, so, it's like okay. So pretty much, you were saying, and you never did anything, and you pretty much, you know, you nope. was there for everybody, and you I lifted think I, everybody's no, spirits. You're right that I wasn't there for him in the sense that like his music career fell off. But, but you got to understand that early on, I wanted to be like, 
I wanted to be like with him. Like he was my rapper. I was going to push him. I was going to blow him up. As No Jumper goes up, you're coming with me. You're going to be headlined every show. You're going to be touring with us, et cetera. And it just became so obvious early on that the ego thing was not going to let that happen. Oh, you know, and yeah. I, I really don't think I did anything fucked up to him at all. I don't even think he could identify anything that he would say is fucked up. I mean, because we'd be saying it's black, no jumper, but you were actually messing with well, black kids. You were actually messing with Xavier Wolf, and you have another kid uh, that's working right now with uh, our generation music named Hakeem, and he, he has a problem. Too, you know what I'm saying, and said he he has a lot of involvement in uh, no jumper and his early come up too. No, he didn't have anything to do with the early come up. He just worked at the store for like a year or two. That's it. I mean, yeah, like he he like what be, what would be his initial problem? Because I really don't fucking get it. I don't even know, honestly. Like we we he just started like I always saw that with him where he would kind of like go hard trying to get in a position because mm-hmm. he worked at the store next door for like jason the current brand manager of no jumper he worked there for a while and he just like kept getting big-headed where like he told jason he didn't want to have to work in the store anymore he said he said i should just have to be an influencer and just hang out here and jason was like no that's not happening you got like five thousand followers what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then so jason fires him and then we end up hiring him and we had him working in the store, and, and you know that was pretty much it. Like he wasn't—he was on the pot, like the live stream once in a while and shit. Or like we tried a few little different things with him hosting for the vlogs and stuff. And then you know he he tried to basically do the same thing where he tried to be like, oh, like I don't I don't want to work in the store. I think I should just do this kind of stuff. And I remember just being like, nah, like it ain't like we don't really need you to do that stuff. But we do need people to work in the store. So if that's what's gonna be, then it ain't happening. And he just bailed out. And I mean, honestly, I am kind of proud of what he's managed to accomplish is cool that he didn't like because yes, he didn't really do nothing for a while after that we were just like wondering what the fuck happened to him but to see him actually like stepping up to the plate and doing interviews and stuff is cool because i mean i wish he had wanted to do that stuff under our platform i never heard him mention the idea of interviewing anybody while he was with no jumper but yeah i mean I'm, i mean i've seen I'm him sitting in him. a chair with you before you know yeah yeah, yeah but things. those are the live streams and stuff and he, okay. he like i don't think we were doing the no jumper show at that time but like the equivalent of it where we would just do like random mm-hmm. podcasts he was on some of that shit but i mean I, I did i saw an interview clip where he said that he was like on the no jumper podcast and i was like what like when like yeah not with any consistency i mean around that time when i was looking back i if i were just you know to be a no jumper fan for me to hop on a, a bandwagon or whatever the case may be and be a fan when i seen ian connor there mm. Louis yachty and you know those people and i'm like fuck this nigga was interviewing them and they, they were you know around that time still they were come up and coming too mm. and like right now you know you know ian you know fashion icon you mm. know with asap and all them like you like you think I had you, some like, haters in the beginning. In those yeah. first couple years, oh, my God, I look back at that, and I'm just like, holy fuck, we had so many epic ones. Yeah. I mean, do you think they still hold you to the, to that standard now? I mean, because I don't know if they'll ever come back and do an interview with you. I and mean, I don't know why. And somebody like Ian Connor, you know, it's like, what, what did he get mad about? He, like, you know, people always, like, they do an interview, and then they want the fucking Golden Gloves treatment for the rest of their life. 
I mean, fuck yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's just like it's a no. loyalty thing. What are you talking about? No, that's a loyalty thing because I know just coming on your platform, right. you are, you know, they're high, you're here, and they know doing this interview for you, they're right. helping you out, so you should help them out for the rest of your fucking life. No. I mean, that's the shit. Because you know what it was is that uh, just with Ian specifically, you know, and I always fucked him, I always looked up to him, saw him for what he was, which is like a, a huge influencer, you know, somebody who's obviously had an unbelievable impact on the culture and everything, but. There was like a vlog with uh, the YBN dudes, uh-huh. and YBN Corday said something about him. Yeah, about the revenge shoes. He said like, oh. "Oh, those look a little rapey." And he told you to take that shit down. Ian huh? hit me up like, "Take that shit down," and I said, "No." <laughs> like, uh, like Cord- Corday said it. You're mad about it. I fuck with both of you. I don't give a fuck. I'm a fucking. We we hold the camera. You guys say what you're going to say. You said it. I'm not deleting. You just, you got to stand your ground at a certain point. You can't just be, and I see it happen with people who do interviews and do content all the time. Whereas once you start bowing down to the artist and letting them dictate your content, shit is over. So I always try to just really stand on my own. And if somebody wants me to delete something, I'm just, no. I mean, because you had a lot of high points and I'm talking about your trajectory is going here. Mm. And then at one, and then at the one time <laughs> it just started doing this. <laughs> And then I see Selena on that motherfucker, and I'm like, okay, he's it's going downhill, baby. I mean, Selena, though, it's like, you're talking about, like, early days at the store, at the Melrose store. Yeah, to I me, mean, Okay, to me, let's, let's wrap up the generations. Downtown yeah. store, yes, epic sir. as fuck. Like, insane interviews happening all the time, even though I was just really, like, getting the business together. Then you have the Melrose store. Yeah. Also insane. Like, fucking... Shit was just going crazy there, just every day, crazy vibes, tons of crazy interviews. Maybe maybe not as many like early on epic interviews, but tons of amazing stuff there. The dark era to me was the Santa Monica spot. We had like a fucking separate office on Santa Monica that we got after the store that was kind of like our response to the guy putting the gun in my face. Like, oh shit, maybe we should start doing our interviews in a different spot. So that, you know, that was that was a weak era to me. Like it just didn't really feel like the energy was that was good. But then since we've been here, I feel like the energy has been amazing again. So the substance like kind of like left the building in Santa Monica, because I felt like the substance and the coolness I felt like was just like going downhill. I it don't just, know. I don't know, man. Like it, it, it's hard to stay as driven and as motivated and as on point as the brand changes and people's minds and shit. And it just kind of like. I don't know, like when we left the store, you just kind of lost some of the energy and it just didn't feel as cool. But also it's just a realization that you you can't make everybody happy. And yeah. I have weeks where I will drop five fucking flaming hot interviews that are doing so good or whatever. And then the next Monday drops a different interview and I'll have people telling me that your your whole business is trash and you're falling off yeah. or whatever. It's like, yeah, I just, comments is crazy. Because you can't make everybody happy, especially yeah. with somebody like me, where it's like, in a week, I might drop a famous porn star interview, a famous rapper interview, a famous fucking gangbanger type interview, whatever, a comedian, a fucking po- another podcaster, a YouTuber. It's like, out of those five, if you're just a fan, like they all appeal to me, one might appeal to you. So yeah. it's it's so hard to keep everybody happy, and at a certain point, I just this is like, all right, I'm doing whatever the fuck I want to do. I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and try to be everything to everybody. I'm just gonna do the interviews that I think are good, that I think are worth doing, and I'm not really gonna worry that much about the response from the people. 
So, like, in what little era, the downtown, the Melrose, or the Santa Monica, what little era did the, like, uh, the controversy happen with the sexual assault shit and the tweets and Mel all Rose. that shit? Melrose. Mm-hmm. Were you, like, kind of depressed around that time when that shit was out? Yes. I mean, it was tough because it's like, you know, imagine that. Like, you fucking are, are fucking with a girl, and then all of a sudden, like, 10 years later, she just goes and tells a reporter some crazy-ass shit about you. When you went 10 years not even knowing that there was a conflict where if I had seen that girl walking down the street, I would have said, oh, hey, how you doing? Give her a hug, et cetera, mm-hmm. you know? And then all of a sudden, like, I got people actually trying to, like, really act like this is a serious thing. This is a real thing. And it's like, I can't do anything to fucking defend myself. I can't do anything to make you think differently about me. But to be fair, the store was kind of like a saving grace type thing as well because I remember like, you know, sitting at home for for a week or some shit when that shit was like really bad when it was first happening. I don't even know, maybe it was five days, four days, whatever. I was I was at home depressed, not going to the store. And then I go to the store and everything's normal and everybody's acting cool to me and there's a fucking line of fans outside who all wanna take pictures of me and shit and I'm fucking depressed as shit inside my head because I thought that everything was over, you know? And then I go back to the store and I realize, like, oh, yeah, right. Like, real life isn't exactly the same as Twitter, you know? So that was kind of having the store so at the that time. the fans made it cool? The fans just, like, going to the store quickly made me realize, like, oh, okay. Like, this is not, this isn't over. You, yeah. you don't got to give up. You got to keep fighting. <laughs> which, which, I mean, we don't talk about it, but that's, like, bro. Like, how did you, yeah, like, Continuing you- to fight after you fucking, like, really think that your fucking shit is over? I mean. When I look back at it, like that's that's when I actually proved that I had it in me to fucking be something. Yeah, yeah. Because sir. before that, everything's smooth sailing in comparison. People tell me about bad shit that happened to them all the time, and I'm just like, bro, that ain't nothing of what I fucking went through and what I had to fight through. Like, what made you start turning this shit around? Like, cause uh, as far as no jumper and just want to excel, like, and have more pods mm. and. Do more interviews and have more people do interviews like me. You know what I'm saying? Like, what made you want to turn this shit around? I think I always, like, had that impulse of, like, I want to make this into a real business. And I want to, like, make... Because it just became clear to me sort of early on that, like, oh, this podcast is not just about, like, me. Mm-hmm. This is, like, the people who subscribe to this channel are interested in a thing. They're mm-hmm. interested in the culture, whether it's rap, whatever, you know? And so... I realized kind of early on, like, oh, fuck, like, I could, I could build a team. I could have more people here, et cetera. And I always, that was always very attractive to me, but it also, like, taking that step and actually putting somebody else on camera is, like, a very difficult step. And I can honestly say that the big thing that did it was that we got the Snapchat deal where they were like, we want you to do this news segment a couple times a week, et cetera. We had tried out a couple of different people. AD ended up kind of being like the person that I felt like I had the best rapport with. Mm-hmm. So we start doing the news. Coincidentally, that's when the fucking COVID shit hit pretty much right then. So then all of a sudden me and AD are doing that shit consistently. Uh, hey, Postmates is on the way. You guys want to take this phone? Out? <laughs> um, but then also uh, the fucking... So AD was sick. He kind of like made me realize like, oh, okay, the audience is primed to have more consistent shows on this platform, et cetera. And then he starts bringing you around. House Phone starts bringing Duno around. All of a sudden, like... Oh, House Phone brought Duno around. House Phone originally was telling me about Duno, yes. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, and then like that, that it all started to kind of make sense. But to be honest, like we took a, we took a chance on the AD thing. 
And that really started to work. And then from there, that gave me a lot more confidence to start trying to work on having more hosts and stuff, or even to see somebody like Sharp and be like, bro, come be part of this fucking thing that we got going on. So AD is a huge, huge part of that. And yeah, man, I'm, I'm just honestly super hyped on that in general. Man, I just love that uh, that you're in tune with everybody and like you want to blow people up and you want to make sure everybody is successful and you know you you have a step and you 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 don't care if you're on a vlog with them you'll do the interview with them even me doing this is just like they super sick I I really appreciate it but you know it's some some shit I feel like you know you got your hands in. And when you have your hands in them, you you definitely gonna be responsible for it, like C Mac. I want to ask you a question about C Mac. I mean, on who? <laughs> like, if he dies today, you know what I'm saying? Are you I'm gonna looking, be? I'm looking at you. I'm facetiming you. Like, why you do that? <laughs> no, no. I'm, if he dies today, are you gonna feel responsible for his death? No. You should at all. You fucking should because you created a monster. I didn't tell him to tattoo that shit monster. on his head. No, 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 no. You created no, no, a monster. No, no. Absolutely not. Yes, you did. He had that shit on his head when I met him. When I met him, if anything, I felt like I've brought him back from the shit that he was on a little bit because now he's actually making money. He's not just set tripping. He's not just running around no, acting crazy. Because the internet is a powerful thing. A pow- it's a monster. And what happened to him, he got, uh, the streets is crazy. The streets will catch up with you. And Milk found some bullshit a long time ago. And that affected him. It, it got him in, some, in a situation. And uh, I seen how it affected you. Just him being DP, just him being picked up off the floor, I seen how it affected you. So bummed. if something actually happens to him, like... You got to feel some type of responsibility for that shit. No, I feel responsible for a lot of the good that has entered his life over the last year in the sense that I put him in a position to be way more well-known, to make a lot more money. Now, what he does with that is up to him. Now, he's a different case because it's like no matter what he does, if he decided tomorrow, oh, I'm I'm all about peace, well, you still got that shit on your forehead and you still live in Los Angeles and there's still going to be a lot of people who are going to feel some kind of way about that no matter what. So... I just I don't feel responsible for any of the negative, but I do feel responsible for bringing a lot of positive into his life. Like, wh- like what is the negative that I've brought into the his life? The negative is having him on camera dissing people hoods and you no, highlighting. We, he's that never shit. he's never done that on camera. He's done it in the vlogs. We edited out of the videos. I'm editing out slurs for other sets on pods. Yes, yeah, on pods sure. because yeah, sure. I don't want this to be a platform for. Like we can, we can discuss a gangbanger having beef with a different gangbanger if they're rappers, if they're public figures, whatever. That's fine. For me to do the the talk talk to milk about crib mag and the talk to crib mag about milk, that's normal because they're both YouTubers. Yes, they're presumably capable of violence and shit, but you know they're they're YouTubers. Yeah, I'm not gonna have a person on the podcast and say, okay, so where you're from has beef with this hood. Let's talk about what a bunch of bitches they are. No, 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 no. This is not a platform for the negativity in that sense. Like, you know, I've done vlogs. I remember I went to one, one hood and uh, OG just walks right up to the camera and starts shouting, screaming, talking shit about another rapper who's from a gang. And I was just like, told the cameraman right after. I'm like, <laughs> cut that. No, we're not putting that up. And that's right. views right there because that's millions of people would have wanted to see that clip of that gangster talk about that other gangster. Yeah. But I mean, we got to have lines. of, And even your man, Crib Mag, I told him, I'm like, listen, I love doing podcasts with you. 
you can't be talking about T-Rail. Can't bring T-Rail up. We can't be dissing other sets on the podcast. That that can't happen. That's the line that we don't want to cross. He gets it, and, and I'm he's, glad he's you cool did about that. that. I, I'm glad you do it. I'm, I'm le- and I'm glad people get to hear that, man, because I appreciate that. But you know, I, I wanted to ask you that about C Mac, because you know, a lot of uh, black folks out here and the black people in our culture, they they quick to say you a culture vulture. You know what I'm saying? A lot of that culture vulture shit always gonna come up because you're white. Mm. You know what I'm saying? For one, um, <laughs> I was looking at a um, fucking Nori video. And he was so fucking excited that you was doing some shit with Dame Dash. Right. And I was so, at, at this point, when I'm looking at you, I haven't even got on the show yet, but I just started watching a little bit. I was like, I'm excited that you were doing some shit with Dame Dash. And right. then Dame Dash, here he goes, ends up calling your ass a culture boy. <laughs> Come on, man. How the fuck you feel about that? Because I know you were super stoked about nigga doing that shit with Dame Dash. Yeah, and it just didn't didn't last that long i was hyped on it at first but you know it's like and i don't want to trash dame i don't want to sit here and like act like i got problem with him or anything it's just on a personal level the reason why i like doing podcasts with people the reason why i like doing podcasts with you or, or ad or house phone or whoever i like building a platform or building a you know dynamic mm-hmm. the joe Budden and rory and mall thing i loved watching that because i really felt like oh i'm watching three friends kick it yeah. and that was always my big inspiration with that and then in terms of the dame thing i thought this could be really interesting because if we do a podcast every week and we start to slowly get close that would be fascinating for people like people would you know get a lot from that i think yeah because he's very intelligent very articulate you know he 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 knows a lot about the culture he has has a lot of stories you guys mixed well when you were speaking. I would have loved for that to happen. It might have seemed that way, but and then also, but like just through doing it, I just really like e- even disregarding the intellectualization of it, of like me just not feeling like it was going well. I didn't really feel like we were building a good rapport. I kind of started to feel like, oh, like we could we could do this a million times, and we're not going to build a good rapport. But more importantly, I just had a bad feeling about it. I didn't enjoy going and talking to him every week and it only took me a couple episodes to figure that out that i just wasn't looking forward to it i wasn't having fun with it and they're just why were they treating you like shit in the building or what i mean dame kind of talks to everybody like they're a piece of shit to be honest like he just sort of is like a really really rude person that just surrounds himself with a bunch of yes men to be totally honest and that's why most people don't seem like they last that long over there again no shots but it's just not. What did he say to you that was just like you're breaking? Well, you can watch the podcast, and it's just so obvious that he's he doesn't argue in a intellectually honest manner. He'll grab onto one little thing that you say, and he'll just tear into you with it. And he doesn't give a fuck about the point that you're trying to make or that the root of the actual conversation. He just kind of bullies it, and it's just that's not that's not fun for me. Man, I always be wanting you to, uh, you know, put your foot down and start shitting on people and, and let not necessarily shit on people, but let motherfuckers know like you that nigga. Like you and academics probably do the same amount of shit. But to us, to the you know, looking at, you know, from outside in, they're like, this nigga is a culture vulture and <laughs> and you work for the white man and you do this. It's just like trying to downgrade us so much, but like come on like you're not even that type of person like 
I would just like really be wanting you to just be aggressive and be like, you know what, I'm doing this, that, and the other, and you fucking really don't. Okay, but you got to think about optics. You got to think about how shit'll look. And it's like if I'm out here just demanding my respect, like y'all don't think I fuck with black people. <laughs> nah. well, fuck y'all. I really do. But not just the black people. It's just in, like, how, do, how does that look? Like, <laughs> not just black people, but you are, you're independent. Right. You're one of the only independent podcasters out here, right. YouTubers out here left. Everybody signed to Spotify, Apple, mm. all that shit. You're doing your thing. You're growing. Like, let's talk about the fucking new building you finna buy. For Fingers what? crossed on that one. Four or five million fingers crossed. We might get it, but still, you're trying to purchase a building to, you know, build this fucking conglomerate. Like, let's talk about it, man. Come on, man. I like letting the the work speak for itself. You know, I don't really feel like the need to, like, I feel like anytime I get braggy or, you know, just like demanding that people acknowledge what I've created or whatever. Like, I don't, I don't like doing it. I don't like getting into the the war of who's number one. I don't fucking tweet about, oh, I got this many views this month and, and this guy got this many, et cetera, et cetera. I just don't really like to get into the dick measuring contest part of running a media company. I think shit is better when everybody's getting along. I felt like the other day with uh, Wack and, and, and me and Gilly and Wallow and academics and everything, the fact that we could all be in the same building and we all fuck with each other, that's a beautiful thing. That like, everybody could be getting along. And um, I don't know, I just don't like, I, I see people do that and they're talking about the fucking iTunes numbers and who's number one and shit. And I'm just like, eh, I don't care. You do that shit in private because you told me you do that shit with Vlad. I look at how like, they're doing, but I'm not, like I, Definitely every couple months for sure will be on Social Blade. I don't do it. I used to do it like every fucking week, but now I probably only do it every couple months. But I want to know how many YouTube views, academics, and Vlad. And, you know, yeah, I'm interested in that for sure, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to go on Twitter and say, like, I beat y'all this week. <laughs> <laughs> in the back of your head, you don't be like, I'm, a, I'm in the back of your head. You don't, be, you don't be thinking like, Vlad, this nigga probably think I'm going to be bigger than him one day or fuck. I, Vlad I is bigger. Vlad. Vlad gets the most views of anybody on YouTube. And I don't fucking. You're reaching that point, though. You're it, getting It's there. not that far apart. But, yeah. but at the same time, I mean, I don't. I'm not going to. You discuss the numbers with Vlad. You ever yeah, think we, Vlad's we, talk, gonna... we tell each other our numbers. Yeah. But Vlad's, they said Vlad's the police, you might tell on you. I remember one time, though. <laughs> last year, actually, I hit a Vlad because I hit a, we hit a milestone. No jumper hit a milestone and made X amount of dollars in a month. Yeah. And I hit Vlad up and I said, hey, we made this amount this month. And he said, I did three times that last month. <laughs> oh. Okay, so how much you made off uh, at the end of the day since you motherfuckers want to talk about numbers? Uh, it's probably still in the red, to be honest. <laughs> oh, no. We gonna give my uh, Josh Nodden. Josh, Josh is Nodden. full of shit. I don't want to hear it's that It's a startup. Shit. That shit's Spotify. <laughs> it ain't turned a profit yet. Now it's Uber. Nah, nah, that no profits yet. <laughs> you see how they do it out here? now? we need That Wiz one might have helped get it, get it in the black. Pause. Oh, shit. Wiz one didn't hurt. But do you ever see that shit um, with... Well, it just came out with a uh, Rich the Kid and Colin Cole Bennett. Like uh, I saw the Instagram story. Yeah, yeah, man, a culture vulture, man. I think people be holding people like you know to that certain standard too. I couldn't man. believe that because uh, I mean I, I fuck with Cole. I think Cole's a great guy, but it's very tough to be a white guy in this world and not get shit. And tell us black people no after you're making fucking money off of our culture. Because he's telling everybody no. You know, Damn. like he could, he could be putting up 10 videos a week if he was actually like taking on all the work. He could have 10 different videographers, et cetera. That's why his shit is lit 
is yeah. because he says no to everybody. Because a Rich the Kid and Lil Wayne video is not tantalizing to him. Because let's be real, that's not that's not the new cool shit. Lil Wayne's a legend. Rich the Kid's a legend. But that's not the new cool shit. And Lyrical Lemonade clearly mostly is about doing some new cool shit. Now he's he's done some stuff that's not the new cool shit. He's done Eminem videos and stuff. But that to me is like him just proving that that's how big his platform is. Is they could have some shit like that. Like I'm just saying, it takes a lot. To say no to Rich the Kid Lil Wayne video, but I, I was proud when I saw that he did it because you gotta you gotta run your platform <laughs> you the way be, you want to. You will be fucking proud of a motherfucker telling a nigga no. And like, I mean, I, I, I'm showing up to do a Rich the Kid interview or a, or a Lil Wayne interview, but I was just proud of the fact that. And I just thought it was crazy that Rich the Kid actually called him out because you know there's a million rappers who are pissed off because they can't get a lyrical lemonade video, and they don't say none because they want to keep it cool in case maybe down the road. But yeah, I mean, cause your your brand is all about you know scarcity and and what you choose to put out there. Like if if no drummer gets shit for anything, it's that like we put a whole shitload of shit out there. Yeah, you know we do fucking a ton of interviews and we'll give people interviews that some people feel like don't deserve it. And we don't only interview the up and coming cool rappers. We'll interview an old school rapper, etc. I mean, like to me, like lyrical lemonade as a brand is fucking cool as fuck because they are so rare even though i was never going to be the person that's like oh no i'm doing two interviews a month because i'm only fucking with the coolest rappers even though that 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 does appeal to me kind of but i, I was never going to be that dude and you gotta you know because he's saying his artists put him on so that's their goals back to that loyalty thing like you gotta fuck with me forever because if it wasn't for him you wouldn't be in this fucking uh spot not true because i mean famous dex had a lyrical lemonade video in the very beginning right little, little pump Etc. They don't have lyrical MA videos now. Why? Because Cole keeps his shit rare and he could fuck it up so easy. Yeah. He if he can. if he gave Lil Pump or Famous Dex a video right now, his brand's over. It's over. Yeah. Because just, because he's built it to be so strong and to be so representative of one thing. It would be so obvious if it became commodified and if he was letting the labels leech off it and do whatever they wanted with it you know man you built your brand all the way into the porn shit mm. now with the porn shit i know there is a, a lot of questions about my family my kids <laughs> how will my kid feel if she grows up this and that and the other but right. i got one thing i think people like i just like not asking you like i think lena she's gonna want just looking at her instagram and lena the mom i'm like lena i don't think lena wants to do this shit anymore well, i don't know you, if she you, wants to do you it you really read the room wrong on that one i don't know i, I'm, I think lena wants to be lena the mom she's taking this mom shit pretty serious and i she think got, she'd give this she shit got up. her instagram like her porn instagram deleted mad times so you're just not able to look at her porn instagram and be like ah okay this is so it's like are you are you more into it now that she is and you pushing her into it or is she more laid back? Like, what is it? I think she's more into it just in the sense that like, that's the only work really that she's doing is stuff within the adult space. And for me, it's like I do the hip hop stuff and then also porn shit on the side. So she definitely, but she's, she's, she loves it. Like she's not, it's not something she's doing because she's just getting the money and she hates doing it. We genuinely enjoy doing the plug talk stuff. We genuinely enjoy hooking up with other girls. I've seen her orgasm on camera from other girls eating her pussy. It's a whole thing. And on top of that, you know, managing girls, I see her like really, she's good at that kind of shit. Like she's just like really organized and loves like 
teaching somebody about how to work in the business and stuff. And, you know, she's just very, very, uh, I think she's really like kind of coming into her own in that regard, actually, because she's just sort of like being more serious and business minded. Whereas in the beginning, she's like got all this attention and all this money coming in and she doesn't know what the fuck to do with it, you know? And so she just waking your ass up like, hey, we're fucking three girls this week and this is how it's going. That's how I feel bad because my schedule is so limited with me being here so much and everything that it's like, yeah, she has to very much like pencil the shit in. And like tomorrow we have to stream music all day. And so we're doing a plug talk episode where I'm going to be showing up at like, you know, 10 in the morning with a boner and a fucking Starbucks. Like (laughs) I got to smash in the morning tomorrow, which she was like, she was trying to do it at like fucking, you know, like three or like a normal time. And I was like, nah, I got to do it 10 o'clock. We got to be in there tomorrow. I wonder how many regular niggas around here just like are with girls and don't even know that their girl likes girls. That shit is crazy. How do you fucking identify? But I feel like it's so normalized that if you were a girl and you wanted to have a threesome with your dude, you could just tell the dude and you would probably have like a 90% chance that the dude would be down to see you eat pussy in front of him, right? Like most dudes wouldn't care about that. The communication barrier is off with that one. You don't think? Uh, Fuck no. If your girl was like, I seen this bad bitch today. I want to bring her over the house tonight. We're going to fuck her. Bring her. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> she ain't going to never tell me no shit like that. You're not going to be like, get the fuck out of here, Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> this is a straight house. <laughs> fuck no, I'm not doing that shit. <laughs> we doing it up, you feel me? <laughs> I wish she had come through and do some shit like that, man. That was Damn. the foundation of my relationship, so we always just kind of worked from there. I feel like a lot of people are envious of that shit, too, man. I feel like a lot of people in the industry, they kind of clown on it because they kind of like envious of you, man. I think they want to kind of like get in there and do that shit, but they're afraid. I feel very ahead of my time, even though realistically I could have started Plug Talk in like 2017 or whatever when I started dating yeah. Lena. I could have, we could have started doing this kind of content years and years ago and it probably would be so much bigger now if we had like started super early. I wish I had seen that vision. I wish I, I had been so obsessed with No Jumper that I didn't realize there was this other business that was just sort of dangling in front of my face and I had actually just like realized that opportunity but you know, I still like, I still feel like. That's God opening the sea good. of your mind. Yeah. He opened it. But, I mean, that is the weird thing is, like, okay, if I just wanted to make the most money possible, I would probably just keep starting different porn businesses. And I would just all day be working on that, trying to find girls to sign, doing more Plug Talk episodes, building up different businesses like Plug Talk. I have infinity ideas of how I can make so much money doing the porn thing. But, and I like being there. Like, it's fun. Just like, oh, yeah, I'm fucking. This is cool. But it's like, I can't, like, it, it doesn't fulfill my soul in the way that, like, doing some good No Jumper interviews does. So you feel soulless doing the fucking uh, OnlyFans shit? It's hedonistic. It's just, like, purely fun physically. Oh, my God. I would never feel right about a day, like, just hypothetically, if I were to just lay around all day and just fuck, bang my girl out four times all day. <laughs> no. Like, I don't want to, I want to work. I want to, like, be productive. I want to have contribute something to the world you know i've been with my girl for a long time and like fucking her four or five times a week a day and all of that shit i feel like i don't want to burn her out you know what i'm saying mm. like i'm a real faithful man man i've been with my girl i ain't fucking no other bitches so well, I don't wanna... every pussy is built different 
<laughs> so what are your girls built different? What the I'm fuck just saying, like, transformer. Or? And, and every woman is at a different place in her life at different times. My girl with the kid and stuff. I've seen her go through waves where her her mojo is through the fucking roof, and she's trying to fuck me before I leave for work and shit. And then there's other times where I could kind of tell, like, if I if, if I wasn't trying to fuck you, you would probably not. Do it. Try to fuck me all week for sure. <laughs> like, uh, let's try to be fuck, receptive. You know, you ever fuck your girl? She just sitting there like this nigga. Fuck me. Hurry up. Get the shit over. Yeah, with and I nigga. hate that when you realize that she's just there. I'm like, fuck. I feel like I'm raping you right now, <laughs> bitch. Try to smile or something. Like, <laughs> like, all right, hurry up, nigga. Get the neck. Get the fuck out. I start trying to like, wiggle it around, <laughs> trying to make her feel better and shit. You know? Nope. They don't give a Maybe fuck. Maybe if I hit dog. this western wiggle, she'll feel a little better. <laughs> <laughs> Man, why you the only person I know in this fucking industry at your level that hasn't wrote a fucking book? Why? Mm. And you read books uh, all the fucking time. Really like, this is all you do, man. You buying books for people that's in jail. Ain't even both sent them how, to. How, them how are you gonna say that? Like, I'm the only on. person. Vlad don't wrote, and not write a book. Wait. Academics ain't wrote a book. Joe Budden ain't write a book. Charlamagne wrote a book. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. you know on that level. Writing a book would be cool. I would like to write a book, but also like you know, I, I and to be honest, with you, I even got started on it one time. Mm-hmm. I had an idea. Here's, here's here's my vision that I stopped thinking about and don't really care about anymore. But and take all the early no jumper interviews and go through them. I, I, I paid a girl to transcribe the Lil Yachty interview because I was I figured that would be a good one. Transcribe this and like first chapter will be me like writing about my life and using excerpts from the interview and just talking about like what I learned from interviewing Yachty and using parts of the interview and each different chapter is like a different interview and I'm pulling quotes of like shit that people said and talking about it and making that into the whole book. That sounds cool, but I think it'd be more intriguing if uh, um, I read that you passed out on uh, ketamine and uh, some dope and coke. That could you know be in saying? there. <laughs> and, <laughs> and how you survived in the ER? You never told nobody that shit. We like, can talk about that. You bust your fucking head. I want to. Yeah, I want to talk. I want to. I'll read some shit. Like oh, so that. you want to read like a just a, a novel <clears throat> of like oh, and then I passed out in this alley in England and and took so a huge diarrhea to, you, on the ground. You have two books, but that did happen. I was in England, I got way too drunk, stumbled into this alley, dropped my pants, plopped down, took a huge shit, squatting on the ground in the alley. Then I stumble forward, blast puke all over the ground, biggest puke ever, and then I collapse and I pass out in the alley for who knows how long, next to my shit and, and, and vomit, and then I have to get up and I have to roam the streets of Bristol in England trying to find my friend's house i don't have the address i don't have my wallet the only thing i knew was that he lived across the street from a fucking uh, massage parlor that was basically a whorehouse now i, I never went to this whorehouse but i knew the name of it because we were across from it and i thought it was funny and so i all i'm doing is i'm like falling over dying dehydrated into these fucking all-night shops saying to the indian guys working there like how do I get to this massage parlor? And they're laughing at me because they're thinking that I'm just wanting to go fuck and that like, you know, look at me. I'm, I was just sleeping in an alley and they're just laughing at me. I had to wander the streets for like four hours before I finally found his house. Bro, I was hung over so bad for like two days. You really white, dog. <laughs> that's some real white shit. That was a very different time in my life. Also on your book, I want to say, you know, when you're in your car, you listen to all this rap music. Do you ever, you know, recite the word nigga? No. 
You got to be fucking kidding me, dog. I consider it. Stop a, fucking It's a playing. good time to practice not saying the N-word when you're in the car listening to fucking Pusheisty. <laughs> and we were just listening to Vlad talking about, you know, priding itself on saying, I say the N-word. I don't say No, he said he doesn't say Yeah, yeah he yeah, says yeah. the N-word, right? Yeah, I say the N-word. Like, no. I don't say, you know, No, nigga. I don't. Yeah, fuck out of here, I'm not here, saying Adam. in the car. You, you say that shit in the car, no. dog. Come on, bro. I might, like, mutter through it. I'm going to be, eh. Oh, you muttered through the... Um, I'm <laughs> <laughs> not pronouncing nothing. Fuck you, nigga. <laughs> fuck you, fuck nigga. you, uh, you know, you just sort of... Uh, <laughs> or you say, like, hey. Yeah. When you get to the N-word, when you're rapping along, you say, ah, or ooh. <laughs> just, say, hey. just make a little sound that it's not as awkward as just... What about your girl? Hell no. She don't say that shit? She has a story about, like, smoking weed when she was, like, 14 with some, somebody, and they, and they were picking on her, bullying her, trying to get her to say it, and she didn't say it, and she ended up crying because they were all trying to get her to say it. What the fuck? Armenian shit. I don't know. All right. I don't think she said it. I forget how that story ended. Maybe she ended up saying it, and that's why she cried. One last thing, man, the fans probably don't know. Last thing? I thought we were just getting started. Two o'clock? Oh, how we long can, have we been going? We can fucking keep going. An hour with yeah, you got a time limit in your head, huh? Oh, you know what? You know where I get that shit from? The I'm like, podcast. no, 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 more, more. Give me more. Oh, we can keep going. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> so one thing, one thing I wanted, um, <laughs> one thing I wanted. To, the fans don't know, like, you wanted to actually be a fucking rapper. Like, you had a rap video, you fucking erased it. Who off told the you internet. this? You. No, no, no. You say you had a rap video. You were a rapper. You did your thing. You erased it off the I'll internet. I'll let you I paint your picture of it. That shit. I'll let you paint your picture of it, and then I'll tell you the truth. Come on, dog. You had a rap video. Yes or no? The year was maybe 2012. I'm living in Long Beach, big old flop house, one of the many on some shit houses over the years. And uh, at that time, I was definitely down and consumed some cocaine. Yeah. I have a friend named Catfish who's a BMX announcer. He's about 55. He's a huge Trump supporter now. I don't know how that happened. He also has a Wu-Tang uh, tattoo on the small of his back, tramp stamp. And uh, he, I believe, su supplied the cocaine. And it was like me, Gabe Brooks, rest in peace. Uh, Sean McIntosh, legendary uh, BMX rider, was there. There's another legendary BMX rider there named Jimmy Levan. I think that was it. But anyway, we're all, we're all hanging out. There's probably like 20 people at our house. There's a shitload of people. We're doing so much coke. And Catfish used to always like pull up beats on his computer. And he had like the most bullshit little like mic on his laptop or whatever. And he would just like get people to freestyle. Like people, this was like his hobby. Like he thought this was so funny to like tell people who did not rap like – I'm gonna put this beat on. Stop trying to just dumb rap. it down. I'm just, I'm just you telling you a story. You, you want to hear the story? Yeah, come right. on. <laughs> so he'd tell people. He would say it to Josh. Like he would, he would harass. Josh wasn't there, but like if if Josh was there, he would harass Josh. He'd say, "Josh, you gotta do this. You gotta rap on this beat." And he had hella coke too. So we're all hanging out in his room because he got the coke, and we're doing the fucking coke. And he he gets me to get in front of the mic, and I fucking rapped. Over the beat. It sounded so offbeat. It sounded so fucked up. I don't even think he had headphones, whatever. But he did get me to rap. Gabe rapped. Shitty rapped. Jimmy Levan, who's like an old rocker dude, he didn't rap, but he sang on it. And this, this is what he's saying. He's saying, come over here, curvy girl. Come over here, curvy girl, and please me. 
<laughs> so this he wasn't did the hook. He, he don't <laughs> listen to rap. He don't know about rap. That was the hook he did. And then this is the most fucked up part. When you're when you're on coke, you stay up late, right? Our homie Tony was there. Tony Damn. has a video camera and is like an amazing filmer. So Tony starts filming us making the song and then gets on his laptop, stays up all fucking night and edits the video. And it actually looked good as fuck. Like he was actually like picking out good shots. He's like, Adam, stand on the toilet seat and, and be throwing these ones in the air. And I'm like, okay. He's like fucking Gabe, like stand up on top of this couch just like this. And like, like he actually was like putting together like a video that looked way better than like the average rap video. And because we were being supercharged by the cocaine, we actually did this. And then we actually like had it. But then we, I, I, I don't even think we ever put it out. You did put it out because you fucking erased it. Yeah. Was it was it on your channel? No. It was on somebody else's channel. So you got somebody else shit erased. No comment. Oh my fucking god! So you are the FBI. I was embarrassed because I was just fucking. You could just see it in my eyes. I'm just fucking out of my mind. That dude. shit probably was a fucking hit. No. Should have put that shit on YouTube, we, even, on iTunes. Guys. Even before we put it out, we had to change mad shit because shitty uh, Sean McIntosh was like hella depressed but he yo he was like our our white homie who would just freestyle all day like make us die laughing all day and his fucking he was hella depressed like he was breaking up with his girl he was moving and shit and his freestyle was just like i want to jam this fucking needle in my arm like he was just saying all this crazy like borderline suicidal shit in the rap so even like the next day he's like yo delete that like do not put that in the video like i was fucked up last night like you know even G i remember gabe saying some real shit he was really gangbanging on the track r.i.p gabe rest in peace that's my boy but what I wanted to get to, this is why you hate all the white rappers, like MGK, because you wanted to be a fucking rapper. MGK, Adam wanted to be you, and he fucking choked. Okay. He thought he didn't look good enough, and he erased the fucking In video, reality, dog. though, I've gone my entire life, never rapping, never, never got in the booth, aside from Catfish's Coke lair that time. I never fucking tried to be a rapper. You know, I feel like almost everybody at some point tries to be a rapper. I never tried to be a rapper, just right. for the record. So why did you erase a video? And what problems? Because are you? my coked out self trying to be a rapper briefly was so embarrassing to me that I didn't want anyone to see it. What? Why did you have a fucking problem with MGK? Uh, honestly, I didn't even know that he had a problem with me. I had just made fun of his music online, uh -huh. and then I went to Rolling Loud, and I'm doing a fucking interview. I think with uh, Phase Banks. Oh, because I was doing interviews for Rolling Loud, right? I'm, I'm interviewing him. And I like see MGK marching towards me in the distance. I could just tell that he's making a beeline for me. But you know, like that thing where you don't want to act like you know this is about to happen right <laughs> he away. He's coming to whoop your because ass. Because it's hella yeah. fun. He, he's kind of far away. It's like you don't want to like just fully like engage. What up? Like, you know, so I kind of waited until he got close to me. And then I just put the mic like, hey, MGK, how you doing? And he smacked the mic. And then all of a sudden, Vel runs up and fucking. Oh, Vel was there? Yeah, Vel was my security, which, to be honest, me backstage at Rolling Loud, I probably needed a little bit more security than just Vel. Like, I probably needed a couple of Vels. So uh, it's kind of awkward because, like, MGK security was, like, a real big-ass steroided-out guy. So why you didn't fight him? Did he punch you? Nah. He didn't do that. We were just, like, yelling in each other's faces for a minute, and then they just broke it up, and that was it. But okay. I don't even know what I did that made him so mad, but I do re I really, like... 
I think he is like probably one of the worst musicians like ever. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, his rap, his rap shit was so whack, and I still, I just can't believe that people let him pivot out of being a rapper, become a punk rock singer. <laughs> And and nobody in rap, there's never. They even, love, we love MGK. Do I, we? Like, do they? I don't know. I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't have a problem with I've MGK. Never I really even like him. Do you? you? I mean, you I heard just emo girl. I want. I want you to listen to his new record with Willow Smith and tell me that you like it. It's something about the nigga. Just maybe his style or something. I don't know. It's I, like cool. I understand that you not knowing anything about punk rock that it seems like oh this is acceptable for me as someone who grew up listening to punk and hardcore. I'm like, this is the worst. That's like we can't just let this slide. As a culture, we have to talk about how whack this is. No, that's like, I'm sorry. That's like us bringing up that conversation. We was like, bro, you got an Iron Maiden shirt on. You know, you haven't listened to one fucking Iron Maiden fucking song in your damn life. Like, right. I don't. If you listen to that shit, you probably wouldn't even wear that shit. But that—that's why it's so funny that all the rap fans, like, you know. Wouldn't you have thought that when MGK decided he was going to stop rapping and become a punk singer, wouldn't you think that that's like a, that's a segment on the Joe Bunnett show? That's a, that's a Charlemagne clip of him reacting to it, talking about it. Maybe he's not going to be mad, but he'll yeah. talk about it. MGK has not done anything in rap since he decided that he was an emo boy. And nobody gives a fuck. Nobody in rap even has said any. I think I'm the only one who said anything. I mean. Isn't that kind of crazy? And it, it, it's cool. It says a lot about how much, how much, okay, if Kendrick did that, rap would be deeply upset. Okay, well. How the hell is Kendrick playing this Warped Tour music? He was ours. The rap community would not take that line down. They'd say, Kendrick, come back. Make another rap album, please. I don't see the, the, the rap community saying, MGK, please give us another whatever. I don't, I don't, I don't know what's going on, man. I, don't th I think it's the give internet. Give us another rap devil. I mean, I think or it's what? the internet because how do you feel about these rappers coming out by and being gay and doing gay shit on camera? Like, Because the rap community ain't saying shit. I, I haven't heard not one person bring it up or bring the subject up. Period. Well, but these new, yeah, because nobody knows who Lil Wap is. No offense to Lil Wap. He's not like some huge rapper. But when Lil Nas X, when that was going down, that was all motherfuckers wanted to talk about all the time. Only Boosie brought that shit up. Only Boosie had the guts to say, you know what? <sighs> this shit ain't it. And they was on his ass. You know what I'm saying? And fucking. Boosie speaks for a lot of people in the rap community. Does he speak for you? No. I'm very open minded about homosexuality, even though I'm personally not interested. So you were interested in, uh, or you just didn't give a fuck about him kissing another male on TV doing a war show? I think him kissing a guy is just as fine as him kissing a girl. And I don't think that there's anything bad that's happening to children by seeing a guy kiss a guy either. So what is it like this uh, thing in hip hop that you can't be like uh, gay or bisexual like? I don't know, because I mean, in the older days, you know, you had to come up being a gangster and in the dope shit and the dope game. But now it's just like it's all over the place. Like, and it's just the, like the norms in hip hop basically like mirror the African-American community's ideas for the most part, since rap is pretty much synonymous with black people in America. That's where it came from. I think that black people on average are pretty conservative when it comes to stuff like that. And that the black community has been a little slower than the white community to accept that it's okay to be gay so damn why do you think that this is just, i don't know i don't know it's just like you know yeah i don't know it's just 
I don't. Yeah. I feel like when I was younger, it was just conditioned almost to like, yeah. uh, this is different. You're not supposed to do that, and fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> but you okay? <laughs> As I got older, I was like, uh, this he cool. You know what I'm saying? It's a lot of you know gay style. But you come from you stuff, come from no? the gang shit too, and yeah. I will listen. I've been around dudes who would never say anything negative about gay people, but they're from the streets, and they say. That dude did some gay shit and it was on camera. He's out. We never dealing with him again. We're never gonna see him again. He's gone. Yeah. That's just that's still how it is in the gang shit. Right now. From what I can tell, from the conversations I've had, which is kind of hard. That, I mean, that's like the most old school scenario where they they're not sliding with nothing. You know. They don't give a fuck <laughs> about the playing by their own who's rules. Canceling them. Uh, who's canceled who's, on Twitter? Like they don't give a shit. You know, like, the, the Crips don't care. The, the Crips are not concerned, from what I can tell. Uh, the Crips LLC <laughs> don't yeah. give a fuck. Yeah. If you're doing that shit, it's over with. I, I mean, but as I got older, I was like a real homophobic guy like mm. i really didn't care I, I did use slurs i didn't oh yeah like i wasn't in tune with any of that shit but when i grew up like you know when i got older and and i'm like oh okay you know i start giving people a chance you know and right. i'm like damn like he he, he, he cool <laughs> like right like he a cool guy man they straight like you know, they do a lot <laughs> like yeah like they rich as fuck too they have a <laughs> lot of relationships like why not get along with them you know yeah like, i never uh I mean, I, I just have, I had like multiple family members who were gay even when I was young. So it was always like, and my parents are super progressive, like told me from a young age, they were giving me the whole speech about how black people are exactly the same as everybody else and how being gay is just fine. They were making that 100% clear to me from a young age. So anytime I said anything racist around my parents when I was a kid, they would let me know that's racist. Let's talk about it, you know? Oh, so your parents never even came across. They no. like you never heard your parents say any racial slurs at all. No, 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 never. Growing up, ever. Never. I just really don't fucking believe you living in New Hampshire. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking liar. I don't I'm serious. You, you fucking liar, okay. dog. I'm gonna give you this anecdote to explain like where my parents are at. Is I remember my mom telling me one time because we're talking about racism. Yeah. And I asked her. I'm like, is grandma racist? And I remember her saying to me, she's like, your grandma grew up in a very, very different time. There's things that she thinks that are not true. And I was like, like what? She said, well, when I was little and I would go to eat some fruit, your grandma, her mom, she would say, your grandma would tell me that you need to wash the fruit before you eat it because one of the little colored children might have peed on it in the field. What? Right. And so my mom explained that to me as an example of the kind of like, like, she's like, your grandma's not racist, but she thinks a lot of stupid things about other races because she's just old fashioned, old school, doesn't, you know, she just grew up in a different time. My friend, but my mom, racist my, as fuck. I agree. But my mom explained that to me that like, that's how not racist my mom was, is that she was warning me about other people in our life who might not have been as open-minded as our family was. Warning you about these stupid-ass comments that might come up. Like, right. That is crazy. Which I think is great, because then, I don't know if I ever heard my grandma say that, hopefully, but I would have at least known that that's not okay. I ain't even gonna lie to you. I, I feel like if you were born anywhere in the 1960s, and you're still alive during the 1950s, 
70s, I'd be mm-hmm. feeling like, damn, you were around when segregation was still going on, and I feel like, damn, you are racist. But I remember, I remember asking my mom about that as a little kid, and my mom telling me that, like, that was really more down south, and that in New Hampshire, A, not many black people to speak of, and B, wasn't really like segregated like that. Like, I don't know if this is just her remembering it better than it was, but she told me that it wasn't really like that for her as a kid. The one mystery that I can never get to the root of though, is when I was a little kid, I asked my mom, mom, did you ever have sex with a black guy? I was like 10 or some shit. And she said, yes. Wow. And whatever. And then I brought it up a couple years ago. I was like, I remember when I said this to you as a kid and she still was like proudly like, well, yes I did. I had a, I, I dated a black man when I was young. <laughs> she was. I could tell that she was still kind of hyped, but you know, but I couldn't. I couldn't get her to tell me any more information. That's crazy because I come from Los Angeles, California, and it wasn't many interracial uh, relationships. But when I met Heather and I went down south, hmm. I seen interracial relationships, and then I'm like her dad. Like her mom is white, her dad is black, and I, and I'm seeing a lot of inter. Uh, yeah, I'm like, why are they messing with these white people? <laughs> <laughs> like, She's really held it. open your mind, huh? Yeah, like my mind was blown when I went to Texas. I'm telling you, like when I met her and went to Texas, just you know analyzing everybody, her family, everybody. My mind was blown, like, and mm. I was like, "This is crazy!" Like, I, I wouldn't imagine a black man messing with a white woman. But I mean, I guess it was okay. And then you know, she said, even her mom was like, you know, when we were younger, it wasn't still accepted back then, and that was mm. the '80s, '90s. Like, it's, they were still looking at them crazy. Even her having children little black kids you know running around they'll still kind of look at them like what the fuck you doing with these black kids even in the south like that shit is crazy like but i was that kid in elementary school that i always like wanted to make sure that i had a little little friendship going with the black kids in class because i won that many of them but i was still i was trying to like tap in bro when i was in high school i seen zero white kids that's crazy i, I seen zero white kids all the way i think like, my school was like 10 to <laughs> 20 maybe 15 percent black damn only white josh kids. is saying that's optimistic i'm so, i feel like <laughs> I we know. had a solid 10 10 percent black maybe kids? it got whiter when you went there a couple years after me he said it was white your, your sister ever fuck with a black guy not that i know of oh that i fucking hurt josh josh might now. know i don't know <laughs> he said you don't think so <laughs> he said <laughs> He gonna get home and ask her. So you sure? <laughs> you fucking a black guy? Was his dick bigger than mine? <laughs> I mean, cause that's the stigma, right? <laughs> I've heard. Oh shit! But I got so much sympathy and love for all the black guys with small dicks, cause I know they're out there. Oh, and it's unfair for them to get stereotyped as having big old things if maybe they they don't. That's a that's a fucked up feeling. You know, there's dudes walking around feeling bad about themselves because of that. That's a fucked up. Yeah, I know it's a bunch of guys, and I hope not. I've asked a couple girls, like, damn, have you ever encountered a guy with a little dick? Because I, I feel like... <laughs> I feel like girls be lying like a motherfucker. Like when they be like, oh, his dick was this big. And I'm like, fucking never. I had a girl, I remember I went on a date with a girl when I was maybe like 25 or 26. And she was like super open. She's like, yeah, I fuck like 300, 400 guys. I'm like, oh shit. I'm like realizing I'm getting laid. I'm like, hell yeah. I'm asking her, I'm like, what's the smallest dick you ever encountered? And she told me, oh, this guy had a micro penis. I'm like, that's a real term? She's like, yeah, go look it up. I fucking, I went, this is like before iPhones. I went home. I googled micro penis as a Wikipedia article, but she told me it was really like you know like that. 
And then like <laughs> I, what, I went home and found out that this is a real thing. Like, that's what I feel like Nikita Dragon got because <laughs> <laughs> ain't no fucking way that that is a boy. It's she didn't no get it way, locked dog. off. No, it's no fucking way that that's a boy. Dog. Do we know? That's no fucking. I would way. love to know the the state of Nikita Dragon's genitals. I don't know if she went for the whole thing. Nah, I don't think she went for the whole thing, man. Oh, sure. I don't right. think she went to the for the whole thing. But okay. we don't see that shit. It's look. It's getting Different. scarier and scarier. Dicks. I'm not seeing a dick on a uh, uh, transgender man. It's crazy. How are you hiding them? That's why I always send you guys pictures of trans women in the group chat to prove that you think they're attractive. A couple of, not me. I never answered. You never fell for it? I never <laughs> fell for it. Because your girl reads your phone. <laughs> oh. You would never admit that. You be sending all type of shit in the group chat. I never respond to that shit. Like, maybe a couple homies like, oh, she bad. And then you be like, you fucking gay. The day your girl showed up in the group chat, I was just like, oh, damn. This is not our safe space. Uh, There's she, ops watching out there. That's Damn. how much she loves me. She want to be in tune with everything I'm doing. Mm. She even want to get in the group chat and talk. Damn, Damn man. My girl Can't don't want to see. My girl don't want to see what's going on in there. Your girl ever go through your phone? Uh, no, I don't think so. Your girl go through your phone, dog. She's mm. went through your phone. Yeah, she's been through it. Damn, bro. A little bit in the past. You think she's slapping shit at you? Well, <laughs> she caught me. Fucking around. That's why she went through my phone. She knew that, like, right at that moment that I was talking to a girl that. Was, Fuck you, Adam! No, she grabs the phone on my hand, scrolls back, fucking a couple of days, boom, booty pictures. She got mad as fuck. She threw the henny. She didn't slap you? No, she just threw the henny. What the fuck did that do? Ah, henny! Made a loud noise. Let everybody else that was at the store know that she was mad. Damn. Oh, y'all been fucking. Oh, yeah, y'all been fucking with each other for a very long time. Five years. Five years? That's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. And you did this fucking Chanel purse thing for the first time. I bought her so many bags. You got me fucked up. <laughs> what? What? But that, I will, that price? But a lot of those Gucci and Louis bags are like three grand, and they're the same size oh, as the yeah, Chanel yeah, brand yeah, yeah. bag. That's six grand. I was kind of surprised when they said that shit was six. Man, how much would you ever spend on your girl though? I felt like I. Well, you want to count the fucking engagement ring? Damn, how much did you spend? I'm not going to say, but that was definitely the most. Why you never want to say how much fucking money you spent? You are rich, dude. Like, come on. I just don't. I, you spent. I grew up thinking that there's a couple things you don't talk about. You don't talk about politics, and you don't talk about how much money you make. Why you don't talk about politics? Is that's the, Well, okay, you talk about politics, but you're polite about politics. Oh, is that's know. like how I grew up? Is that like my my parents were friends with people that were full on Republicans, voted for George Bush, et cetera. My parents are the total opposite side of the spectrum, but I would see them kicking it and talking about politics in like a very polite way. Like they would discuss things and debate shit, but it would it was like you know there was just a line that you didn't cross, like like of you hating that person for feeling different politically or whatever. And then I, I would put money in the same category. Like now it's super, it's super like everybody wants to talk about how much money they make. And it's just, to me, that's like, no, you, you don't do that. So your parents were Republicans. So no, did my they, parents are Democrats. Oh, your parents are Democrats. I thought you just said they were No, Republican. but they had friends who were, who were Republicans and they, they would keep very, very good uh, relationships with, which I always. Their friends voted for Trump? Uh, I don't know if they have friends now who voted for Trump. Maybe. But my parents fucking hate Trump. Fuck it. Well, Kodak loves Trump. Yeah. I mm. fucking love Trump, too. He let me out of fucking jail. You, AD, and Kodak are all the same. You're like, oh, he, he did something for me? Cool. I fuck with him. 
I mean, me growing up, I didn't know nothing about the fucking politics. They were like, you said be polite about it. And right. me growing up, it's like, don't talk about it at all. Like, they're not helping us at all. Mm. This shit is fake. We don't know what's going on in there. The, the, they're not for the people. Now that I'm growing up, I'm like, okay, maybe fuck the president shit. But all the propositions and shit like that, like... I grew up surrounded by it. Like, I grew up going to political events because my dad worked in local politics. And my dad would be watching fucking CNN and C-SPAN and shit all day on Sundays and stuff. And we would have magazines in the house that are about politics. So I became interested in all that shit relatively young. Damn. Man, I was just talking about Josh, man. This, This is a fucking TV show. Yeah, let's shit on Josh. This is a TV show, dog. Okay. And I was talking about um, Rob Dyrdek, and you said you felt like, okay, his shit is, uh, you know, he had the skateboard thing again. Like, I brought that up. Uh, but I'm like, he had the skateboard shit up. MTV was blowing that <laughs> shit up. And I feel like you can do the same thing with BMX and No Jumper, though, but on TV. Like, we should shoot a pilot. We got enough fucking people. I mm. think it'd be super interesting. TV's dead. Not, I'd rather be Mr. Beast than have a TV, Hulu. TV show. No, I'm telling you. Right Hulu, and it's the new shit. Peacock, HBO Max going up. I mean, shit is going. I would just, I don't want to work for somebody else. I feel like we could, I want to make the best YouTube content possible. And then maybe at some point somebody, like it's so good that somebody wants to give me money for it. Maybe. Damn, so you'll, you'll sell No Jumper down the line. Uh, at some point I will die. So it would be cool if it still had enough value when I felt like my time with it had passed that I wanted to sell it. But that's definitely not something I'm thinking about at all right now. Mm, you own any stocks and bonds and shit like that? Uh, more crypto, but yes, stocks mm. as well. Cause I I heard uh, DJ Head saying, you know, this girl tried, this lady tried to have me invest in different shit, and she was like, oh, I, I do stocks and shit like that, and he told her that's some white shit. And I was like, <laughs> you said that about everything. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I say that shit too. I'm like, but fuck, it's, it's not some white shit. I need to get in tune with this shit. Like, somebody need to teach me how to do this shit. Like, I mean, I, there's <laughs> like, I know people who have just been investing in like Apple and Google and shit, Facebook since like 10 years ago. And now they have like, you know, $20 million worth of stock just because, mm. and they don't. And the spit, bro, the poker people I know who bought Bitcoin early on, and they're like, they look like the biggest fucking dorks you've ever seen, and they got $100 million worth of crypto and shit. I mean, keeping your money in the fucking bank is bad. We, That's we, one thing. Pass that on to the community. Keeping money Invest. in the bank is bad. Well, it's better than keeping it under your bed. And it's better than spending it, <laughs> but investing it is way better than keeping it in the bank, for you sure. You motherfuckers need to give us a fucking business manager so we can call and let us know where we should put our yeah, fucking money. Yeah, get a business manager, because my life got a lot more clear once I had a business manager to actually tell me exactly what was going on with the money that was coming in and coming out. Golly, dog. Huh. I need to flip that shit. I need to understand that shit. I really, yeah. really thought that shit was some white shit. I'm not even gonna lie to you, because I, I, we don't understand it. They make it so, so difficult. Like, you can't do this. You can't do that. Or you no, have to yeah. do this. You might lose your money in stocks. You just go buy real estate. Yeah. Do this. I'm like, well, what the fuck should I do? And it's funny. Like, I, there's a book about stocks called uh, "A Random Walk Down Wall Street" that is like the book that they tell you to read if you want to get into stocks and stuff. And I remember being like you know 22 or some shit and like you know i'm just reading and listening and realizing like oh everybody keeps saying that you got to invest money in stocks and that this is the the book to read so i get that book 
you know, I get like 10, 20 pages in. I'm just like, what the fuck am I reading? I have no, you know, it's just way over my head. And that's yeah. like the introductory book that's like meant to make it as easy as possible for you. And a lot of that stuff now, when I think about it, it just seems so unbelievably easy and obvious. Like, oh, yeah, like Google is worth X amount of dollars. And if you buy a share of Google or a tiny percentage of a share of Google or whatever, then you own a tiny percentage of Google and you're exposed to the ups and downs of their business. And that's not really that complicated to me. I don't know why that seems so complicated to me. So you went to 80s dad class. No. I just, <laughs> <laughs> After 80 dad came here, now your ass know everything. You never said no shit like that to us. Why? Ever. That's, that's just, you know. <laughs> I, I should be investing in more things. I need to work on it, honestly. I need to get more variety of things that I'm exposed to this year. Yeah, let people that you're blowing up and shit, you know, that you'll be responsible for if they die, man, at least introduce them to fucking stocks and bonds for their family. Should we start a 22 stocks segment on here? Damn right. I don't know anything about it. Maybe I could just learn a bunch of shit and then I'll just come in here and act like an expert. Oh, I'll wear a suit. Well, you know, we like regular people. Right? We Regular people telling us regular shit. Oh, hey, go... Put your money right here, man. You're going to make 10%. Right. Cool. That's nice. Yeah. Are you looking at the time, too? Well, I just was wondering. He was looking at the fucking time, I want to give you a nice refractory period between me and the Treyway situation so that you can get your mind right so you're not asking him questions that you meant for me. Oh, I got questions for him. It's about to be a whole little Hoover party in here. Damn. Mm. I hope it goes good. I love Treyway. I got another guy named uh, Swift Chopper One, and then uh, my homie Poke. I want to bring in here. Nice. Yes, sir. Poke is legit. Yeah. Why you never interviewed him? It's my turn anyway. I don't know. I never talked to him. He's cool, man. I'll fuck him. Yeah. Let's do it. Groovy. Let's do it. See, I know stuff. He knows it, and his interview is fucking over. Grooviest podcast in the world. Yes, sir. Hmm. Love you to death. Love you too, bro. Nojumper.com. Nojumper.com. Make sure you go to sosorella.com. Make sure you go to swishla.com. Make sure you go to patreon slash nojumper. Sosodef.com. <laughs> go support Jermaine Dupree. <laughs> and get it going. Support Bow Wow too. Buy tickets for the live show. Tickets oh. for the live show. Link, it, link, link in the description. Can we put it so it's in every description on YouTube? Oh, and NoJumper.com is a great place. NoJumper.com. Make sure y'all get the live show tickets. That shit is finna go crazy. Come see us in LA. That shit is finna go crazy. You know really that? Really crazy. We got to rehearse. We do. We're we going to work rehearse. on that. We That's coming soon. Yes, sir. We have to. We should rehearse here. Skirt. Bap. <laughs>